wonderful, wonderful blessing it is to be in a church family uh, where we can lean on each other. And just as Andrew preached about this morning, to share with each other, and that includes with our possessions. As we think about those that are going through a time of transition, we are reminded that yesterday we had a kickoff breakfast of the transitions group and the reports coming back from that were just wonderful, wonderful. And we are so thankful for the ones that are helping with that. And we're thankful for the opportunity uh, for those that need that and will benefit from that. And the first regular meeting will be in the morning at seven o'clock here at the building. And so if you would benefit from a group that's going to offer network and advice and support during a time of job transitions, be sure and be here in the morning at seven o'clock. And that group will meet every week, Monday morning at seven o'clock. Also, we had a wonderful, wonderful teachers meeting. We are thankful uh, for Andrew and the work that he has done for many years now in our educational department. And we are thankful that the teachers meeting uh, yesterday was the workshop was a great success. We had many visiting from from many, many areas and many congregations. And we're thankful uh, for each one of our teachers that participated in that in an effort to help yourself as a teacher. Uh, I want to encourage you to be sober in the responsibility of teaching. And let's make sure that we all... Uh, when we step into a classroom, we are prepared and we're prepared to do the best job that we can do. And that's why it's important to take advantage of workshops like we had yesterday. And we appreciate Evan and much of the coordination that he uh, took place in uh, planning that. Also, uh, we have enjoyed having a wonderful Bible class emphasis day today. Be thinking about individuals that you can follow up and encourage them to return for a second and for a third visit. Tonight, uh, it is a, uh, a very uh, sobering time in the life of our congregation. Uh, you know, most of us, as, as a rule of thumb by our nature, uh, we don't like goodbyes. We don't like separations. And that mixed emotion is what we feel tonight. We are so thankful for the opportunity that the Phillips have uh, to uh, do a part of the Lord's work in another location. And we are prayerful about that and supportive of that in every way. Uh, but also the separation brings a little bit of pain. And uh, we are mindful of that tonight. And we look forward to looking at a lesson where God's people dealt with this early on in church history. And I just want us to take some time to look at this lesson to be reminded that what we experience tonight has been experienced over and over and over again. And that we need to make sure that we live our lives individually and collectively as a church family in such a way that these experiences are positive. Isn't it wonderful to have a minister and his family that are leaving us and it is all because of good news? How many ministers have left because things were bad? Because maybe a congregation mistreated them or maybe because they mistreated a congregation or because they allowed some kind of conflict to come in the way or maybe because one side or the other or both were apathetic about their work. But isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful when we can bid each other uh, God's blessings and God's speed and know that in this whole process, God's will has been done. Uh, when I think of Andrew, I've said it to you many times, uh, without hesitation, I think of a five-talent man. Uh, God definitely has blessed him, and he has used those talents uh, all of his life. And I believe that he'll continue to do that. And what a blessing that is for the kingdom. Uh, Catherine is a Proverb 31 woman. 
And God gave them a Psalms 127 uh, gift this past year. And we're thankful for their family. And we're thankful for the way that they have blessed and enriched our family. And we look forward to the time together uh, just across the foyer in a few minutes and spending that time together. And we look forward uh, to spending time together for a lot of decades to come. And we look forward to being partners in God's work uh, for as long as we live. I'd like for you just for a moment to think about the word sin. If you have your Bible open, we'll go ahead and, and look at the text. And as we look at the text, I, again, I, I bring your attention to some strong words in this text. We have words like separate and words like sinned. We're at, first, we're at Acts the 13th chapter, the first few verses. He says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Now that's an interesting idea that one he was brought up with had John the Baptist slain, and here's a man that's helping the church in Antioch grow. That's a neat study that we need to do sometime, but not tonight. And Saul, now you remember his name is going to be changed to Paul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Why didn't the Holy Spirit just come down to Saul and Barnabas? You know he was capable of doing so and saying, Hey, tug them on the shoulder, place the message in their heart and say, We want you by morning to have left Antioch. Why was it important for the church at Antioch to be the one that says, We release them? We submit to God's will. We bid them God's blessing and God's support. We will allow them not only to separate from us, but we will send them as they go. Think about that word send for a moment. It's real easy for us to think about that from one angle or another and forget the whole picture. So I would like to give you just a few examples that hopefully would make us all aware of the whole process for just a moment. Any of you that enjoy football, I'd like for you to think about how we send a football across the field. You have a quarterback. He has the football in his hand, but he has a receiver down 30 yards. And it takes a quarterback sending the football into the hands of a receiver for that reception to be complete, that package, if you will, to be sent. All of us are familiar with FedEx, UPS, the mail. We understand that there is a sender of a package, there is the package itself, and there is the one that is to receive that package. Ah, get ready, guys, for the old rib and the elbow. You know, last month was February 14th. You know, you call a florist and, and you have a sender to send something to a receiver, the recipient of that gift. How many times when we say words like mission work, missionaries, how many times do we think of that and we picture a person? And maybe it's somebody we know. Maybe there's just always an image that comes to our mind when we think of a missionary. And, and we look at it in one dimension. In other words, it would be just like saying, here's a football. You lay it on the field. 
And everybody, 67,000 people sit in the stands and they just watch a football in the field. No, not much happens unless there's one sending and there's another receiving. Do you realize that God placed His message upon the world? But do you realize this message has never taken itself anywhere? God has always required, always required, Someone to be the senders. Someone to take that and go in order for someone to receive the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back up, if you will, with me to an earlier passage in the Scriptures. I'd like to go back to Acts, the first chapter, where hopefully when we read this, you're, you're going to say, oh yes, I'm familiar with this. We, we looked at this several weeks ago and kind of looked at it in depth. You know, a lot of the time we're real familiar with the Great Commission as maybe out of the end of the book of Mark or the end of the book of Matthew. But you remember, we have a version of the Great Commission, if you will, in the book of Acts. And you remember in Acts, the first chapter in verse 8, look in Acts 1 and 8. Let's go to the next slide and look as he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Now, if you're sitting where you can see the screen, notice how all I did with the rest of this verse is just out of one, two, and three. Notice what he says here. He's talking to the apostles. He says, you're going to be witness to me in Jerusalem. And when that phase is over, he says, in all of Judea and Samaria. And then when that's over, and to the end of the earth. Did you know that many individuals that write commentaries on the book of Acts, they use this very same verse as the outline for the rest of the book of Acts? In other words, when we think, what is the book of Acts about? We've already talked about the book of Acts is God in action. Well, what's God's action? God's action is saying, I'm going to work in the lives of individuals and churches that are willing to be sent and send others. And we're going to start in Jerusalem and all of those that are willing to be sent throughout all of Jerusalem. And then we're going to talk to those that are willing to be sent all throughout Judea and Samaria. And then finally, we're going to talk to those that's willing to be sent to the other most parts of the earth. And as you can see on the screen there, if you study chapters 1 through 7, you see the gospel being spread in Jerusalem. And then if you study 8 through 12, you see the gospel being spread throughout Judea and Samaria. And then when you go to the 13th chapter, which you remember that was Paul's missionary journeys, the first missionary journey, you read it a little bit, you go to the second missionary journey, you read a little more, you go to the third missionary journey, and then several of the end chapters of the book of Acts is his fourth missionary journey as he's on his way to, on his way, on his way to Rome. And so as we look at the book of Acts, we say, what's this book about? Friends, this book is all about God sending his message, but God always had to have the three aspects of that dynamic in place. And tonight, let us set deeply within our heart that we will always be a congregation that is supportive of every aspect of that. There will be some here tonight that God will expect you to be the one that goes. There will be some, prayerfully and hopefully, sitting here to my right, that God will send them to another state, to another part of the nation, or to another part of the world. And the question will be, will we as a congregation be senders? Or will we say, like the church of Antioch could have said, oh no. We're not doing without Barnabas and Saul. Why, they're our right and left arm. What would we do without those individuals? Oh no, we're not sending them. We hate goodbyes. We're just too close of a family for that.
friends, I remember visiting with Ken Allen, and to be honest with you, I can't remember if he said it in front of the whole group or if he said it at another time when there was just a few of us standing around. But I loved his story when he told about it was either a mother or a grandmother that came to him and was upset because their child or grandchild was wanting to go into the mission field as a full-time missionary. And he paused, he listened to her story, and then he said something to this effect. You're in the wrong congregation, aren't you? Because ever since that girl has been knee-high, she has heard lessons that we are a church that sends people. She's gone on short-term mission trip year after year after year because we are a congregation that sends people. And now she wants to go full-time, fulfilling the mission of this church. Years ago, you brought your little baby to the wrong church. Friends, I hope and pray that we can say that here at Mount Juliet. If you don't want to be a part of sending and you don't want to be a part of going, I advise you to get your little ones out of here because we plan on being an Antioch church. We plan on being a church that sends people and it may be across the county, it may be across the state, it may be across the country, or it may be across the world. But there is a mission that is more important than anything else that we can be involved in. And so the question is, do we believe in that mission? Again, I emphasize to you, why didn't, why didn't God send His Spirit down and just tap Barnabas and Saul on the shoulder and say, hey, by morning, go. I've got a journey for you. I'm not trying to read too much in between the lines, but when we read the rest of the Bible, what we find out is that everybody that's being sent needs supporters. They need a network of resources. They need individuals that are praying and fasting for them. And the truth is, every congregation of the Lord's people have to stop and ask themselves, will they be what God has designed? Will they be a church that sins? With that in mind, I'd like for you to just notice this next slide, and we don't have time to develop this, so I'm just going to mention this as we think about not only... Uh, does God give a great commission? And, and in that, we, we think of it generally that's important. But then think for just a specific individual. We can do this with many individuals in the Scriptures, but think about Saul. What was God doing for Saul on the road to Damascus in Acts the ninth chapter? We say he was saving his soul. But you remember in that very same chapter, not only did he save his soul in that chapter, but he also told him at the time that he was saving his soul that I have a job for you. You're going to go out and you're going to reach out to the Gentiles. And then we read in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and we see that God wasn't through working on Saul. You remember he showed him that, those heavenly things, things that were so grand, nobody was allowed to hear words like the descriptions that he saw in heaven. And you remember, and, and this is just a full what it's worth department, all right? In this next one, in the third one there, you see the assimilation as he comes back into Jerusalem later. And, and you remember 
that the Jews were dispersing when they saw him because he was a persecutor in the past and they thought he was still a persecutor of Christians. And remember, it had to be Barnabas that kind of stepped up and said, whoa, 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 let me bring these together. And then we flip over in our Bible to Acts the 11th chapter and we see that when Barnabas went to a church that would have had Jews and Gentiles in it and he's working in that congregation, he needs help. And you can imagine him thinking, and, and you see God's providence in all this? Who is it that I could get that would be a big help? And no doubt he was thinking back to that man Saul that came into Jerusalem and was such a powerful worker. And he knew that Saul was back in Tarsus and he went and he hunted for him. He sought him out. And by the way, now back up to line two, you know that vision? If you go in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, in verse 2 through 4, you'll read that that vision took place 14 years earlier than the time that he's writing it there. That would have placed him about the time that he lived in Tarsus. So here, you can imagine that God is giving him this vision and preparing him for great things. God has allowed the paths of Barnabas and Saul to cross. And now Barnabas has a wonderful opportunity. And what does he do? He runs and literally searches out. He has to find Barnabas and says, come back. And they spend a year in Antioch. And then the first and second missionary journey. Where do they begin and where do they end? Friends, Antioch becomes the home base of the work in the last half of the book of Acts. The first half of the book of Acts, we see a strong emphasis on Jerusalem. And I'm not saying we don't read of Jerusalem and see some powerful things in Jerusalem anymore, but it's just interesting to note that all of this great missionary work did not stem directly the first and second missionary journey from Jerusalem. It was from a church who did not have apostles in it except for the apostle that was out of season, Saul, and he was only there for a year, and it looks like it was just as much him being prepared as it was them being prepared. But isn't that the way life is? We're all in preparation for the next step. What does the next year hold for you? What does the next decade hold for you? What does the next phase in life hold for you? I know none of us know how long we'll live or when the Lord will come again. But the idea is, will we be ready when that next step comes? As we think about this, I'd like for you to think, as we look at this next slide, I'd like for you to think about the church at Antioch. You'll notice there in the 11th chapter in 27 through 30 that there was a great famine that was taking place in Jerusalem. That's mentioned in Acts the 11th chapter in 27. And the prophet comes from Jerusalem to Antioch. And then in 29, the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did. Now I want you to notice this word and sent, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul, the church of Antioch. Whenever they heard that brothers and sisters were in need, they said, we've got to send something. I love being a part of a congregation. I don't say that lightly. I love being a part of a congregation where individuals hear of needs. And immediately they say, we have to send something. Let's always, not for our glory, But because that's what God's faithful congregations have always done. Let's be a church that says, we'll send. If you need money to do God's work, we'll send. If you need resources to do God's work, we'll send. If you need human resources to do God's work, we'll send. But notice Acts the 13th chapter. That's the one we just read just a moment ago, 13, 1 through 3. Not only did they send money, but when they needed missionaries to be sent, 
asked by the Holy Spirit, the church of Antioch says, yes, Lord, we'll send them. And then when we go to the 15th chapter, which by the way, was a very critical point in the life and the history of the church because there very easily at this point could have been a huge divide in the church where there would have been a Jewish church and a Gentile church, which of course would not have been God's plan at all. And it was the church at Antioch. And if you'll read that at the end of the 14th chapter, it was the church at Antioch that going into the 15th chapter that says, we need to, and look at verse 3 of the 15th chapter, so being sent on their way. They said, we need to send Paul and Barnabas down to Jerusalem because there's some great issues that need to be resolved. We need to be a church that says, we love the kingdom. We realize that the kingdom is far greater and far more important than just one individual and even one congregation. And so we want to constantly reach out. We want to constantly go. We want to constantly send. We believe that we can make a difference for God's glory in that kingdom. As we think about the word missionary or the word mission, in our English coming from the influence of the Latin The word in Latin literally means to send. So no wonder, it's such a perfect description of what God has asked us to do. Will we be willing to send? Now, notice if you will, as we go to this next slide, I'd like for you to just see these three breakdowns here. God's call is always for us to fulfill the Great Commission. It will require individuals saying, okay, I want to be a part of that call. Some of the individuals will be the ones going, but then also other individuals will say, I'll be the one that sacrifices. I'll be the one to stay here. I'll be the one to be the supportive one back home. But the important thing is that a congregation as a whole answers that call just like the church at Antioch did. Now let's look at this next line. Another way to say this is God sins. Individuals go, but churches, and this is what's beautiful, churches become a partnership with God to say, God, you want to send? If that's what you want to do, that's what we want to do. And that's the emphasis that I've been giving you from the beginning of this lesson. God came down to the church at Antioch and he asked or required them to be partners in the sending of those two men on this missionary journey. Now, we know from other passages that it's God that gives the increase, but it's individuals that plant and water. And then a beautiful passage in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 17, Paul spoke about the church at Philippi that had sent him. They were supporters of him. And he says that he counted to their account fruit that abounded to your account. The church has a place in God's plan. Individuals have a place in God's plan. You know, we have talked oftentimes in smaller groups as we have planned and as we have prayed about a disappointing time several years ago. It was about eight or nine years ago and we were planning a homecoming. And we said during the plans of that homecoming, we would like for our homecoming to be made up of preachers that grew up here And we'll ask one to come back and speak in Bible class and one to speak in morning and one to speak in the evening. And and if there's others we need to invite in, we'll try to create other opportunities for them. And and we were excited about that plan. We said, that's great. And then we said, all right, now that that we've got the, the framework of what we want this day to look like, let's put in the details. Who are ministers that grew up here? That's exactly the answer we got. There was silence. And we all started looking at each other. We said, nobody knows of ministers that grew up here. 
And we said after this meeting, and we named off two or three in the congregation that have been here a while and, and would know. And we said, let's go to them and let's ask them and we'll come back next meeting and, and we'll give a report of who we're inviting. We went and we asked those that would know and what we found out is that even though now we're about 117 or 18 years old, at that time about 110 years old, we did not know of someone in full-time ministry that grew up in this congregation. And we found out one of the huge gaps that we have in what God plans on us being and what we were at that moment. The elders talked about it. Others were commissioned to try to come up with a plan that would address that. And brethren, I'm glad to tell you today that John Kennedy left this congregation to go to school. And he's a full-time minister in Memphis. His son was a part of this congregation. John Michael Kennedy and married Lindsay Smith, now Kennedy, as a full-time youth minister. Jamie Harper, that was a part of this congregation for several years, now is preaching every Sunday at the Salem congregation, Noreen. Amy Pickler, that grew up in this congregation, is the wife of, of Nick Fowler, and they are youth ministers uh, she's the youth minister's wife, and they are now presently in the midst of the several-year plan uh, that has already been underway and will go into the future several years to be missionaries in Brazil. Elizabeth Pelfrey, that was a member of this congregation, it moved to Mexico to do mission work there and is doing well and has since married Jose Luis. And we're thankful to have the Humphreys worshiping with us now, and he is leading a very, very aggressive work in Sudan. And we're thankful that we can be a part of that as a congregation. Bobby Cole has been leading a group to Purlington for several years now. And there's a congregation established there. Isn't it amazing what can change when individuals focus on what God's plan is? That's a list of several in just a few years. If you ask me, David, what are you looking forward to as much as anything in the history of the congregation about Juliet? I don't have to hesitate to tell you. I can't wait for that homecoming when we have to have an afternoon service that's three hours long and we're going to invite everybody back that's in full-time ministry that grew up in this congregation. And brethren, you better be here. And we're going to sit here all afternoon. And we're going to bask in the work of God and be thankful that we have done our small part to be senders. I'd like for you to notice this next screen. There has been a very aggressive plan that's been a part of the works for several years, but there's been a lot of things added to it the last few years. I want to show this to you so that our young people realize and so that our mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers realize what is available. Beginning in second grade, we have young soldiers and serving Christ and young ladies serving Christ. They begin, the young men, to learn how to lead in a period of worship. 
And they do that in smaller settings, whether it be Bible classes or banquets that are held to honor them at the end. And we just had that this past week. And I meant to have every one of our young people that participate in that. That has just wrapped up. If you have participated in that the last few weeks, young soldiers, young ladies, will y'all stand up? Just stand up for a moment. Everybody that's participated in that. All right. We are so thankful. You can be seated. What a blessing. Many of us in our Wednesday night class, or you might have been here at the building on Monday evening or Tuesday evening, and you saw the tremendous job that these young men did in leading services. And you saw if you were some of the ladies that came to uh, either the Bible classes or the ladies events that the young ladies led. And what a blessing that is. We're not wanting to do that so that we can put our children out like a dog and pony show. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Look, isn't that cute? It's so that we can say, hey, you can begin the Lord's work now. And we want you to find the ability God's given you. God has not given all of us, our young people, the same abilities. But whatever ability God has given them, we want to make sure that that is found. And as they get up in the older, in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, there are more opportunities to lead. And then when we look at the High Step program, it's a program that teaches our teenagers how to teach Bible class. And they'll go in for a quarter and they will teach in our Bible classes. Chisel uh, is something we began new last year. And it is to show our young men that... God does not expect everybody to be a preacher, but God expects everybody to be involved in ministry. And so find your place. And we literally took them for 48 hours, and that includes very little sleep. We took them to 12 locations, and we showed them individuals that were doing ministry, and hardly any of them were preaching. Just to emphasize to them, we want you to find your place. Tag is telling them about God. It'll come, be coming up in two weeks. And it's where every year our young people sit down and they are taught how to do a one-on-one study. And then coming out of that, we see many other opportunities. Opportunities to lead the PM worship for the high school young men in area congregations throughout Middle Tennessee. We give them opportunities to lead devotionals at the teen VBS and nursing homes and other places like that. They teach classes at the Vacation Bible School on the mission trip, the young men and the young women. Uh, they have opportunities to door knock and go on foreign and domestic trips. So our, several of our teens will go this week uh, to El Salvador along with several others. We bring interns in. Do you realize that the interns are a blessing for us, but it's also a way to say we want to strengthen ministers in the kingdom. Do you realize, let me read you a list very quickly. 2002, Brian Manning. Our goal was to give him a positive experience in ministry so he would come out of college and want to be a full-time minister. It worked. He's at Rivergate Church. Jonathan Pettis, it worked. He's here. Kevin Turbeville, it worked. He's at Wood Avenue Church in Florence, Alabama as a campus minister. Andy Frizzell, it worked. He is at Woodward Park in Fresno, California. Dustin Perkins in 06, it worked. He is a Children's minister at Savannah Church in Savannah, Tennessee. John Michael Kennedy, it worked. He's at the Millington Church. And Evan Burns, it worked. He's working here full time. Brethren, do you see how God is blessing us with so many opportunities? Let's be prayerful about it. Let's be sober about the opportunity that God gives us. And then in the last two years, uh, even in the last year, a very... uh, further steps that you might say are aggressive steps where now young men or young women that want to major in Bible and college, they can have a $2,000 scholarship a year 
to encourage them to study Bible. And then it is in the works right now, but our hope is that soon we'll be able to make available to those that are majoring in Bible that we can offer them an internship working with even our younger ones. It will probably not be a paid position, but it will be a position to give them experience. It will not be a 40-hour a week, but it'll allow them to work at other jobs and come in on a weekly basis and have experience in internships to give them training, experience, role models, and support. Friends, tonight, God never expects everybody to go at once. Let's all just pick up and move today. We don't see that in the Scriptures. But on those that will lean upon God, God will place in their heart a desire to go. And let it be that if that's placed on the heart of somebody in this congregation, they're in the right place. Because we'll be a congregation that says, we'll send you. Let's do God's work. As we close, I'd like to mention to you that that word is very interesting in the 13th chapter, in verse 3 there, where he says at the very end, they sent them away. The word sent there literally means to free, to release. Tonight, uh, we send a brother and his family away. And I know, I know from going through similar things like that, Sometimes there's a feeling of, and, and Andrew's not said this to me, I'm just telling you how the mind thinks. Sometimes there's that feeling of hoping that the congregation doesn't feel like I portrayed them by leaving them. And I want to speak on behalf of all of us that we love you, we're supportive, and we wish you well in that transition. And in that sense, we free you. Uh, it's no burden in that sense. In that sense, it's a joy to support and to continue. Tonight, the most important question we can ask about all this we've been talking about is first, is your soul right? What, what good does it do to be concerned about your neighbor or someone around the world if you yourself have neglected salvation? If you're not saved tonight, we'd love to help you with that. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, why not tonight? If you have and you strayed, why not come back tonight? Let's be people that love God's plan in our life, in our congregation, in the lives of others. If we can help you come as we stand, as we sing.